Well, good morning, church. It is so good to see all of you this morning. I want to welcome those that are here for the first time. We're glad that you are here as well as those with us online. We're glad you're there, all right? Even if you're watching the Vikings, we're glad you're with us here this morning. Uh, as we get to continue in the series that we have been in throughout the fall, we're going to be in all fall, the series we've entitled Kingdom Living, as we are walking through the Sermon on the Mount, walking through Jesus' teaching about what does it look like to live in the kingdom of God, some of the most important teaching that Jesus ever gave. And we've talked about the fact that we've got this kind of dandelion here, and it's this idea of a dandelion kingdom. Remember, they were wanting this kingdom of God to come that would look like borders and boundaries and let's go dominate that way. But Jesus was coming to initiate a different kind of kingdom. His desire is to launch the kingdom, the rule and the reign of God through you and through me, through people all over the earth submitted to the ways of Christ, submitted to his kingdom, that we get to be a part of bringing the kingdom of God here, his rule and his reign wherever we are. And so we're going to continue to talk about that this morning. There's a phrase I would guess many of you have heard at some point in your life or some variants of this phrase. Have you ever heard this? Choose a job you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Have you ever heard it? How many of you have heard a phrase kind of like that? You know, some semblance of that. Okay. Now, I got to say that this, this phrase isn't totally true because just because you love something doesn't mean it's not work. Okay. Has anyone been married before? Okay. I love my wife. All right. But it's work. Right. And she would say it's a lot of work to be married to me. That's just how it is. Like, we love things, but it requires that. And so when it comes to a job, loving a job is more than just enjoying a job, isn't it? Right? There's something we desire. Satisfaction takes more than that. It takes one word, purpose. Purpose. When we have a purpose, man, we're willing to do things that we don't actually love doing or like doing in the moment because we recognize there's value because every one of us was created with this desire to make a difference. We don't just want to make a buck. We want to make a difference in some way. We want to know that what we're doing matters in some way. And this is why we have people that face midlife crisis. Like when we think about midlife crisis, we think about this guy, right? This guy, you know, this like, you know, and, and that happens sometimes. It's like the guy who's just like still trying to act like he's cool and all that. Take that off. It's a creepy picture, okay? But I don't think that's what most midlife crises are. Most midlife crises are actually people that don't try to dress like that, but they just hit a point in their life where they realize, is this it? Like, I don't feel like I'm, I'm doing anything about, is, is anything I'm doing mattering? Am I making any difference? Like if I wasn't here, is there any point to what I'm doing? Like I've got this job, I do those kind of things. Like, is there any purpose? And I would ask many of you, when's the last time you had a day when you just felt like white hot, like, man, I have so much purpose with today. When's the last time you felt that? You don't have to raise a hand. Think about it. When's the last time you like, you're working your job? Because some of you, I would bet you work a job and you're just like, Man, I feel like I'm working for the weekend. You know, I'm just, I, I have a job and I do a thing and then I'm just trying to just enjoy my free time. Like some of you experience, some of you are in school right now. You're like, what is the purpose of this? Like, I don't get the purpose. Teenagers, you're like, I'm in a class. I'm like, when am I gonna, when am I gonna use this in my life? You have those thoughts, you know? Maybe there's some of you that are moms and dads or stay-at-home moms and dads and you're, and you're like, I know I'm raising this kid, but a lot of days I feel like I'm not doing anything. I feel like I'm not making a difference. Like, what's the point of my life? There's some of you out there, you know, maybe you're retired and you're like, well, I did all the stuff back then. And now like, what is my point? What is my purpose? Do I have value? Am I doing anything that matters right now? There's some of you that maybe physically you're in a place where you can't do what you used to be able to do. And you're asking yourself, like, what's my purpose? Like, do I have any purpose? And the good news of the gospel is that he invites us into purpose. He has given us something that is of value that can literally give us value and purpose behind every moment, whatever season you're in, wherever you are. He can give that to us if we will listen to him, if we will receive what he is offering us to become a part of. 
You see, I think one of the reasons why people migrate towards spiritual things is this desire of purpose, this sense of transcendence, of being a part of something bigger than yourself. Well, guess what? That's what you get invited into. The gospel is good news for you, but it's not just good news for you. It's good news for others, and you get to be a part of that. And so this morning, we're going to dig into a text that I honestly think is one of the most helpful in a topic that sometimes can make us feel uncomfortable. This is one that can shed some light, that can help us understand what it really looks like, and I think it can change your perspective on life. If you got your Bibles, would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse number 13. Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse number 13. Today, I'm going to teach a little bit. You're going to hear a really cool story, and then I'm going to give you a challenge. Would you stand with me as we're going to read our text together. Matthew 5 verse 13 says this, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Instead of praying, we're going to sing this little light of mine. Come on, sing it. I'm going to let it. Oh, you all know this one. This little light of mine. Oh, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Verse 2. Hide it under a bushel. No. Okay, we're done. We're done. We're done. Okay. Sit down. You can sit down. <laughs> I love that. Oh, that's fun. You guys haven't sung that song in 30, 40 years probably. That's, that's great. Okay, well, this is, the, this is the text where you get that song from. So I figured we got to sing the song. Like the, if there's ever a time to sing that song in church, now's the time. So, all right. Uh, but let's, let's dig into this passage. We're going to run real quickly through this one, all right? So I want to get to the context. What's the context of this passage? So if you remember, last week we walked through uh, the Beatitudes. Jesus has just given this teaching of this is what it looks like to be in the kingdom of God. This is what kingdom people look like, right? He gives this whole description, what the values are and the behaviors and all these kind of things. And immediately following these, he, he jumps into this statement, these two very, very bold statements. There's no break. He says, this is who you're called to be. All right, now he makes these two proclamations. He says, you, you who live in my kingdom, you who live and follow my ways and follow my values, you, you are salt and light. That's what he's saying. And and what I love about this is that these aren't aspirational statements. Like, hey, try to be salt. Try to be light. No, he says, this is a declarative statement. You are, this is who you are as kingdom people. This is what you get to be in the world, okay? So he makes the statement, you are the salt of the earth. Now, what in the world does that mean to be salt? Now, now there's a couple purposes of salt. One of those is that salt's used for flavoring, right? You put it on things, it, it enhances the taste of things. And back then, that was the same the same thing. You know, recognize it, it takes things that don't taste good and try to make them a little bit better. It's like popcorn. I'm convinced that nobody actually likes popcorn. People just like salt and butter. Amen. Right? It's like, it's like, it's like salad. Nobody likes salad. We like dressing, don't we? Okay. Nobody eats. And so salt is that way. It can make, enhance the flavor. It makes something taste better. 
But more than that purpose, salt had a, a far more important purpose at this time. It was used as a preservative. It could preserve food. How many of you have ever had a refrigerator break down before? You ever had that? Okay. It's, you realize how much you love your refrigerator when it breaks down. Because in a matter of hours, what happens? Food starts going bad. Food starts decaying. Because that's the normal state of food and stuff. It decays. It degrades. It gets worse. And the salt was used to preserve food, to keep it healthy, to limit decay. And Jesus is saying this. We are that. Like, we are meant to be that in the world. The world is in a state of decay due to sin. Think about it. All of the progress of technology, all the things society has been able to build out, with all of that, it still can't overcome the decay. We still see the decay in our world, don't we? We see the eroding, the corrupting, the, the evil. Sin still leaves its mark on this world. And what Jesus is trying to say, listen, you people, you people, as members of the dandelion kingdom, your job is to bring the goodness, the ethics, and the values of the kingdom of God wherever you go to positively impact the world around you. We are called to be change agents. We are called to be the salt. We are called to be the preservative, the thing that brings goodness everywhere we go. As writer Kent Hughes says, we are called to be salty Christians, okay? Now, some of you have met a salty Christian before, haven't you? And not the good kinds, right? Like the sassy, like cranky, like crotchety, like, okay, you're self-righteous, get over yourself. That's not the kind of salty Christian we're called to be. We're called to be the ones that when we enter a circumstance, we bring a positive impact wherever we go. Like we get to bring the values of the kingdom of God and enhance whatever we're experiencing. So I, I see this in two ways. Number one is personally. You are the salt of the earth personally. So what does that mean? In your home, you are the salt of the earth. When you step into your home, does the temperature get better? It should. As kingdom people, what, what am I bringing to this table? What am I bringing to my family? And if I'm bringing mercy and humility, right? I'm bringing a, I'm a peacemaker. If I'm those values of the, the Beatrice, if I'm bringing that to the table, the environment of my home should be better because I stepped in the door, right? Same thing on the job. Some of you work on jobs and you're like, yeah, but you don't know what my office is like. People are crazy. They're horrible. They're talking. You're right. I, I don't know how bad it is. But when you step on the scene, it should get better. There should be a preserving quality. You're bringing the values of the kingdom of God with you. You have the chance to actually establish the kingdom of God where you are. You're that dandelion kingdom right there on the office because you might be the only person in, in your coworkers' lives that is merciful. You might be the only one that, that loves them unconditionally, but that brings values that they don't experience anywhere else. You get to bring that to the world around you, whether that's on your block, on your block, you got neighbors and stuff. Your block should be better because you live there. Because you are the salt of the earth. You get to bring kingdom values there. And so what does this mean? This means you have purpose in that job that you hate. That place you don't want to go. Like, I don't want to be there. Guess what? When I get to go, I'm not just going there to make a buck. I'm there to establish the kingdom of God. To bring values there. To every interaction I have, I get to bring the kingdom of God. To bring help. To preserve. It is a good thing. That is what we are given the, the privilege of being a part of. It's not just like, I'm going to accept Jesus and hold off till heaven. No, you have a job now. You have a role and a purpose now, wherever we are. But it's not just personally. It's also globally. We think about a Christianity over the last 2,000 years. 
Who is engaged in the most amount of humanitarian needs in the world? It's been Christians. Why is that? Because we are the salt of the earth. And, and when we see a need, we should lean in. At the end of service, I just want to let you know, I'm going to give you an opportunity to give toward hurricane stuff that's going on because we've got a partner ministry that's serving down in Florida right now. I'm going to give you an opportunity to invest in that, to be a part of that, because that's what we do. Like as kingdom people, we are the salt of the earth. We get to bring help. Whatever the humanitarian need is, whatever issues of justice exist in our world, when it comes to sex trafficking, it comes to water wells, it comes to whatever the needs are in our world, Christians are called to be those that engage, that lean in, because we're the salt of the earth. We bring kingdom values to whatever we're, whatever we're seeing, whatever needs are there. Why? Because we're here for a reason. We're not here to just sit back and watch the problem and say, oh, not my problem, not my issue. No, no, come lean in. Let's be a part of bringing preservation wherever we are. That's what we are, the salt of the earth. But I'll say this, this, this works through all systems. I mean, take a very simple topic of things like schools, okay? Now schools, everybody has a different opinion on schools. That's great, I love all the different schools. You, our kids go to public school, some of your kids go to Christian schools, some of your kids do homeschooling, whatever it is, that's great. But just imagine for a second if all the Christians pulled out completely of the school system. What would happen? Decay, that's the natural state of things without believers who lean in. And so I would say some of your kids are in schools. Guess what? Lean in. Go get on the board. Be a part of the process. Be a part of the journey because we get to bring a healthy, preserving quality. That's part of our role in this earth that we actually help be a part of things. Is it to dominate? Absolutely not. But we are called to bring the values of God to here on earth because it's health. If we truly believe that the kingdom of God is what's best for everyone, then we should find ways to actually be that salt, that preserving quality in our world. And I'll say the same thing when it comes to politics. Now, I'm not one who will ever get leans in the politics. I'm not going to be, uh, you know, I'm not serving. I'm not going to go be a senator or any of those kind of things in my life. I don't feel God calling me to do those kind of things. But I do think there's two ways that we can view politics. One of those is like, I'm not going to have anything to do with politics, and I'm going to stay away in my corner. Well, that's one option. But, but I, if we truly believe that the values of the kingdom of God actually bring health for people and prevent decay, then we should find ways to lean in to bring the values of the kingdom of God. Okay? Now, I know that there's some that say, oh, Christians, then you're trying to dominate. You're trying to be like Rome, and you're trying to take control. Well, there is that attitude at times, and that can be unhealthy. But there's also a set, one that says, I'm going to run away and just let, let, you know, let it go to hell in a handbasket. No, no, no. How can we bring kingdom values to the world? And some of, in our congregation feel compelled to engage that way, to bring the kingdom of God, those values with them. And so I would challenge you. What is God calling you to do? We are called to bring the kingdom of God wherever we are, not to dominate, but to serve a world that is broken and dying and desperately needs his rule and his reign in their lives, okay? That's what God is calling us to, all right? And so he says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth, okay? And then he goes on to say, well, but you can lose your saltiness. And, and I, I love this because salt can't actually lose its saltiness. You might not realize. If it's truly salt, it is salty. That's just how it is. How does salt become unsalty? When it gets diluted. And I think what he's saying is watch yourself. Because when we become diluted with the values of the kingdom of this world, we no longer are the salt of the earth. We're no longer making a difference. Why? Because you just look like everybody. When you walk in the door, it's just like it was. Why? Because you look no different than they did. But if we really embody, we say, God, I'm submitted to your ways. I want to do it your way. We actually can begin to see transformation because we're bringing something that's different than the world around us. All right, so you are the salt of the earth. But he goes on, he says, you are the light 
of the world. You are the light of the world. Now, what does that mean? Jesus is playing off an Old Testament image when he does this. It's found in Isaiah 49 and several other places. It says this, I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. This whole idea that, that the purpose of Israel was not just that it could be all about them and their little world. No, the whole purpose is that you guys could be a light to everybody else, that when they see you, they're invited into this story as well. Gentiles, for us, is a representative of those who are not believers. And he's saying, listen, we as, as followers of Christ, our calling is that everything we're doing is constantly pointing people to Jesus constantly pointed to him. It's reflective of his kingdom, but also intentionally saying, God, how can I point people to you? And I think this is critical for us to understand because the modern church likes the idea of being salt. Hear this. We like the idea of being salt. Oh, social action, and I'm going to engage, and we're going to do some positive thing. I'm going to do a well, and I'm going to do these kinds. We love those kind of things, and we absolutely should. But too often, the modern church ignores the role of being the light ignores the role of actually pointing people to Christ, intentionally saying, this is who our hope is. This is where our help comes from. We're not just doing nice things purely. We're also saying, listen, you are in the same state I am. We all desperately need a savior, and it's found in Christ. What did Jesus say about his own mission? He said this in Luke 19, and he says, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. And we as followers of Christ have been given the same mandate to seek and to save and to point them to salvation in Christ, which brings up a really uncomfortable word for us. Some of you know this word. It's called evangelism. Now, the evangelist in the room just said amen over there. But for others of us, this word can can make you break out into a hot sweat at times. Like, cause you may think like, okay, I gotta go like walk the streets and like pass tracks out or something like that. You know, like I'm gonna be super, I'm gonna go talk to people I don't know. Like, I don't like to talk to people I don't know to begin with, let alone talk to people and I gotta like share my faith. And like, this is, this is a very uncomfortable circumstance for me, right? And I'd say, is that one, that's one way and maybe you feel called to do that. And at times God may call us to have those conversations with people that we don't know. But I'll say this, primarily evangelism is living our faith, living it out, not hiding anything, not withholding it, but living out our faith and living out kingdom values, even doing good deeds to point people to Jesus. And then when we've lived a life like that, I guarantee you, people will take note. And conversation and opportunities will come. And in those moments, you are ready and prepared to share the faith that you have with those around you. That's all it is. And I think for some of us, that's a little more accessible. It's more possible to say, okay, I'm going to live faithfully and have an ear open that when the Holy Spirit says, hey, here's an opportunity, I can share something, right? It's not sharing, so I'm not, here's, here's a Here's a three-point sermon that I've prepared for you. No, no, no. You just share what God has in your heart. In fact, it says it this way in 1 Peter. It says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. Right? We, give, we just simply respond. And I say this to people because I heard this years ago. God has not called you to be a prosecuting attorney for Jesus. He's called you to be a witness. And a lot of us feel this way, like, I got to be able to defend everything perfectly. And if I don't, I, I don't even want to say anything. No, no, no. Your job is to be a witness. What does a witness do? They say what they've heard, what they've seen, what they've experienced for themselves. And let's say, okay, God, here I am. I'm going to live my life in such a way as to point people to you. I'm not going to take the weight on myself that I have to be able to answer everything perfectly. No, I want to be one who is pointing. I want to be that light that is pointing people to Christ, okay? And here's the thing is you think you don't have purpose, 
You think you're at that job and you don't have a purpose. Listen, there's purpose. God has given you purpose. And you can make huge differences in other people's lives, other people's eternities, if you take hold of this reality, all right? This morning, I got a story for you that I'm really excited to have you share. Can you give it up for my friend, Erica Earhart? Awesome. Thanks, Erica. If you don't know Erica and her husband, Jade, and their family are probably closest friends on the planet. We love them so much. But she has a story here that we are so excited to, to share this morning. I've actually been waiting for an opportunity to share a bit of this one. So why don't you introduce your family a little bit for us? All right. Well, I'm Erica. Um, here is my beautiful family. My husband and I have been married for 16 years uh, with six kids. <laughs> Yay! They have a host. Of, they drive a bus. Yes, not a we car. drive a bus. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I've great. got like a. I'm in all seasons of life. I have a 17 year old all the way down to three. So all the things. All the things. All the ages. <laughs> That's great. Awesome. Well, the reason I have you up here is there's a story uh, that I'd love you to share a little bit, and it starts with a guy named Richard. Richard. So why don't you tell tell us a little bit about that? Okay. Well. Obviously, there was a big part of my life where I was not following the Lord. I didn't have that personal relationship. I grew up going to church, but I wouldn't say I ever really grasped like that personal. It was more of a religion. I was yeah. like boring. And so anyways, uh, yeah. I was a bartender for many years. Um, even when Jade and I were first married, there was a guy at the bar named Richard, and he was a bar regular. So <laughs> sorry, I'm so nervous. You're doing great. <laughs> Give it up for Erica. Ah! Okay. <laughs> so Richard was, we like to call Richard a Romeo. He was a retired old man eating out. That's what we called him. And it, he wasn't a drinker. And in fact, he would just come every day, uh, sit at the bar. He knew all of the regulars around the bar, order his food and his tea or Mountain Dew or whatever he was drinking for the day. And he always invited me to church. All the time, he invited everybody to church. It was kind of his thing. Um, and a lot of times we just thought, oh, crazy Richard's inviting <laughs> us to church again. <laughs> so um, Jade and I ended up having Tate and our son. And when he was around two, we were like, well, normal families with kids go to church. So we should probably go to church. Um, we didn't really know like, well, where to even start, but I was like, well, Crazy Richard has literally <laughs> been inviting me to church since before I even had Tayden. So I was like, why don't we just check out the church he goes to? And that's kind of what led us in the church doors. Yeah. Um, and then from there, I feel like, you know, it wasn't this like crazy moment where we went to church for the first time and we were <laughs> radically saved, but it got us in those church doors. And I feel like we liked the environment. Um, we liked the draw. Whatever it was that kind of drew us back in. Yeah. Um, it led us to basically an alpha class within like, I think probably a year later, I was pregnant with our second born. And um, another person that I actually had known from the same place, the same bar area, was an attender of this church. And she was like, hey, what do you guys what do you guys do on Wednesday nights? Because we, we really loved the idea of getting Tate enrolled in like a preschool yeah. church thing. So we were going on Wednesday nights and we would just go out to dinner or go grocery shopping. <laughs> we didn't know you couldn't leave your kid and just go. So we were like, free babysitter. 
Um, so she kind of stopped us in the hall, invited us to an alpha program. And it was really in that, that program that our lives were really transformed. And I would say from there on out, God just kind of like peeled the layers. Yeah. Like it wasn't like instant, but I think we were both like, God just drew us in. And yeah. it was kind of, that was kind of the start of our journey. Yeah. When, what was cool with your story though, is it, uh, that's a nice little story of your transformation. But we think about the, there's almost like a down web, you know, some of you are like in a pyramid scheme or something like that. Well, it, there's been a bit of that going on, like the downflow of the amount of people that have been yes. impacted because of that. So talk yeah. a little bit about that. So obviously it started with Richard yeah. inviting us, which led us really with a the personal whole, relationship with of the you. Lord. It's a big yes, family. yes, exactly. <laughs> but I would say like from, from there, uh, Jade had a best friend since childhood. And in fact, when we were like baby Christians, um, he was somebody that we prayed for. Yeah. And I was always like, yeah, this is like someone I'm going to pray for, but it's totally the impossible. Yeah. Um, he was just a cranky, harvested a lot of bitterness. Anyways, I kid you not, we even invited him to Alpha, and he would sit there with his arms crossed. He just thought it was stupid. Um, he was like, like transformed, Radical transformed. radically transformed. Yeah. Um, he had just kind of, I think he had just watched our lives change and he really loved Jade and so he was walking through some stuff and asked Jade a few things about forgiveness and it just basically led him to the Bible and he gave his life to Christ and was like magically transformed. It was a big faith builder for Jade and I just to even like he was kind of the list of no way like that would never happen. Yeah, yeah. So that was really cool. Um, And then also I had a really good friend um, Sunshine Hampton, who ended up coming to Alpha, and she invited her whole family to church. I just feel like there's been so many people, yeah, just just even just inviting people that yeah. it's like a whole ripple effect. You can see like family after family after family. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then I think about just what you do for a living. What you can tell people you do hair, yes, right? I'm a hairstylist. You're a hairstylist. If you need the hairstylist, yeah. there you go. But. Um, so Erica, uh, I tell her all the time, she does more counseling than I do because every hour is a new person that she gets to counsel. But what I love is, she, you know, she talks all the story of just people she gets to share hope with and life with and pray with and encourage and do all this kind of stuff. And that becomes a normal part of your life. And it isn't yeah. anything that you have to plan or work up. Yeah. I love that sometimes, you know, I don't have to, I, I don't feel like I have to walk around and... Um, you know, speak verses over people. It's almost like Jesus can just shine his light through you. And it's incredible seeing people that are in a hard place come to you and just be like, hey, Erica, I I know that you pray. Could you pray for me? And it's like, I don't even know how they know that I pray, but I think God just has his way of showing others like there's something different. There's something special there. Um, So it's cool to be able to see that when people are hurting, when they can come to you and just ask for prayer. Yeah, and then you had, just recently, you were on a little trip with some friends from high yes, school. Yes, yes. I got to um, meet up with some friends from high school that I haven't seen in, like, 20 years. And uh, one of the girls and I were on a, on a hike, and she, it was cool because she was like, Erica, I just I want to pick your brain about your spiritual journey. So it was a cool opportunity because I kind of thought, if there's ever an opportunity to share what Jesus has done in my life, like, God, you just have to bring it. Because I can't just show up here and be like, 
okay, girls, <laughs> Jesus loves you. You know, that's, that's not like natural for me to, but God brought the opportunity and I feel like we're on this hike. We get like to the, like a pivotal point of the mountains and there's like mountains and snow and it's gorgeous. <laughs> and so I got to share a little bit of my story with her and then we get to the top of this mountain and I'm like, I mean, how can you not believe that there is a God that just like put this all together? Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah, it was cool. So, That's so awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. It's great. So what I, what I love about this story, and you're like, okay, cool, Richard and all this stuff that happened. But I just, I think back a lot of times, I feel like we get into a place in our faith where we're like, well, God, I don't really do anything that matters. Like nothing I do is making a really a difference. Like I don't, I don't get up and preach sermons, you know, like Greg does. And I'm not like a worship leader like Steph. And I don't, I don't do these amazing things. Uh, you might not even say, like, I'm not even an Erica who sits and has all these people and do hair and are able to, like, pour into them and encourage them. and do all. I'm not even that person. But we could all be Richard, <laughs> who just, like, hung out with people on a regular basis and shared the... She, she would talk about the fact, like, he, he prayed over your kid. Like, when you oh, had yeah. a kid, you thought it was a little weird, but, you know, he prayed over him, yeah. you know? I brought Tayton um, into the restaurant because I'd worked there for many years, and just this little baby, and I wanted to show all my coworkers, and Richard was at the bar. He's like, oh, bring him over. He's like, can I hold him? Can I, can I pray for him? And I was like, sure. Yes, I was a little weirded out. Not about the prayer, but he That's was speaking okay. in tongues. That was a little strange. <laughs> I was like, give me my baby back. <laughs> but I love it because it's like Richard's just there. Like doing his thing, and you might think, well, Richard has no idea, and that's the thing. Since Richard has passed away, Richard's yeah, and and he doesn't know the the, the lives that have been impacted, yeah. the kingdom impact that's taking place. Yeah, like right, like one family, and I, like he had no idea that some girl out in Montana was going to hear about the hope of Christ on a trip that you hadn't talked to in 20 years. But that's a part of the story. That's what God does. If we're willing to own the role that we are salt and light wherever we go, whatever we do, God can use us, all right? Can you give it up for Erica? Thanks so much. Thank you. So, so I want to go to our big so what here this morning. We say we always got to so what. What's the point of this thing? You are salt and light. So live like it. You are. It isn't, hey, try to be salt and light. Like really work, like see if you can do the pull-up. No, you are. As I said, the question is what kind of salt am I and what kind of light am I being? You are salt and light, right? You have a purpose. Every one of you. That dead-end job that you're like, I hate this thing. I don't even want to be here. You have purpose tomorrow morning when you wake up. When you wake up, you have an opportunity. That family that you struggle, like, I got to go be with this family that I don't want to be with. Guess what? You have a purpose in that moment. There's something. You get to be salt in that moment. You get to be the light in that moment, right? Wherever you are, you're going to school. Students, students, you're going to school tomorrow. You're not just there to take classes and try to, try to graduate. You are there to be salt and light. Because there are people who are desperate for some hope. They're desperate for some life. They desperately need what you have. And we have the opportunity to share. Will we go usher and be a part of bringing the kingdom of God there? And will we live out our faith in such a way that when people see us, they see something different and we're not afraid to talk about it. To ultimately point people to Christ. A lot of times we don't feel worthy of that. To be honest, I, you know, I don't feel worried like, God, why, why would you use me? But that's what he does. 
In fact, it says it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. Can you pull that scripture up for me? There it is. It says this, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. What does that mean? If you ever seen a clay pot, these clay, they're, they're usually really cruddy pots. They chip really easily. They'll get cracks in them really easily. And Paul's writing this saying, listen, we have this glorious message, the message of the gospel, the good news of what Christ has done and is able to do in and through us. We have this message residing in us, a bunch of clay cracked pots. And that was his intention. Because your job isn't to walk around and be perfect and, and try to you're, you're going to do everything. You're always going to say the right thing and you're going to give the right. It's like a little sermon every time you open your mouth. No, your job is just to be salt and light. With the Spirit's empowerment inside of you, you are going to live as God has called you and you're ready to give a word when anybody asks you about it. And on that job, there might be somebody just like Erica. You make an invitation to church. You have a spiritual conversation with them. And you don't know the lives that could be affected because of one conversation, because of that one person. Honestly, with the Earhart's, I, I think about this all the time. Like those little people that I, the, you know, those little conversations I have, those little moments I have, we have no idea the impact it can have. And the beauty is that we get to live with, a, with an understanding that there is more going on than just what we see. God is spirit, working supernaturally. I have to believe this every Sunday when I preach up here. That God's doing more in your hearts than I can actually muster. He's speaking the, the people in your life, the circumstances in your life where you're like, you know what, I need to begin to, to step in as salt in that area of my life. I need to take hold of what he's got. I gotta quit talking like this is just a worthless, I'm wasting time. No, no, God, help me to step into the purpose you've given me in this area of my life, right? That's what he's calling every one of us to. And he could literally change generations with that, all right? So I wanna give us a challenge here this morning. And it's this, who is one person or what is one place or environment you can focus on being salt and light this week? Because maybe there's an environment where you, you've just been annoyed. You walk, maybe it's in your, with your family. Maybe it's on the job. Maybe it's at school. This environment that you go to and you're just like, eh, eh. Maybe this week you could say, you know what? I've got purpose today. I'm not just doing a job. I'm not making a buck. I'm not just trying to get a grade. I am here to be salt and light today. I'm going to make a difference because God has given me, he's entrusted the good news of the gospel to me to help establish his reign, his rule, his kingdom everywhere I go. Where is that? Could we ask the Holy Spirit right now? Maybe there's one person in your life, that person and you just, you try to stay away from them and you're saying, you know, God, help me to be a light for that person. Help me to be ready because it can change everything. I know for me, I'm, I got kids I got kids in sports. How many of you got kids in sports? Okay, when you got kids in sports, you go to a lot of games you're not excited to go to, okay? <laughs> I love my son, but like, let's go to another game. Here we go. But you know what? God has challenged me. Is like, hey, there's, you're gonna sit there for two hours and you get to watch a game and there's gonna be people that maybe need to hear the hope of Christ. In this past year, I've had a handful of conversations, spiritual conversations with people because I try to have an eye open to it. I don't do it perfectly, but I, I pray, could we all have eyes open to say, God, maybe, you're, maybe you could do more. With this time that feels like a waste right now, this time that doesn't feel like I'm doing anything, God, could maybe you use this in a way I can't imagine, that we could feel the purpose that you've put into our hands.
I'm going to invite you to close your eyes, bow your heads across the room. And I'm not doing that so I can pray for you. I'm doing it right now so you can have a moment with Jesus. And I'm going to ask you right now, can you just say, Jesus, could you tell me one person, just maybe bring to mind one person or one situation or a place where I could step up at a deeper level, God, where maybe I could see my role at a deeper level than I do today. Just ask him right now. I'm going to give you a moment to do that. Spirit, we want to be responsive to what you're speaking to us. Whether it's a person, it's a place, maybe it's a passion, an area I need to lean into to be uh, your hands and feet, God. I pray that you would help us this week. Lord, to take hold of it. God, we would recognize that this faith thing isn't to check into a church service for an hour on Sunday. It's to, to be encouraged to go live out all week long. God, may we be the church dispersed this week. God, that, that Zoe Church is all over this city this week. God, not just in this building. We're in job sites. We're in homes. We're on blocks. We're driving buses. We're working all, whatever it is, God, we are everywhere bringing salt, the salt, reserving quality wherever we go. We are the light, pointing people to Christ wherever we go. God, we see that. We take hold of that. God, I pray this week that the kingdom of God would expand, would extend, would extend its boundaries in this community because of what you're going to do through us this, Lord. Lord, I pray that there are people just like Erica, God, I pray that that lives would be transformed because we're simply living out the hope that Christ has given us. God, I pray for spiritual conversations this week. God, I pray that people would ask questions and that we would be those ready to give a response for the hope that we have in Christ. God, may we be that. God, may we be your evangelist, not in a scary word sense, but in a sense that we're being faithful to where you put us this week. And Lord, I pray that you, we would just take hold of that with everything in us this week for your glory. We pray that, believe that in the name of Jesus. Everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Would you stand with me across the room? This is a message to live, not just to think about. So God, help us this week to walk out these doors. I'm gonna invite our prayer team forward. If you've got a prayer need in anything, you got you walked in the door this morning, please do not run out the doors. Come, allow somebody to pray with you from our prayer team. They wanna encourage you. They wanna lift you up. They wanna join with you in prayer. Uh, but I did tell you something before we, uh, earlier in the service, I said, I'm gonna give you an opportunity. We have one of our ministry partners, which is Convoy of Hope. And Convoy of Hope brings resources in some of the hardest place in the world. Wherever there's pain, they step into that. They're already on the ground in Florida helping to meet needs with people and uh, organizations and churches and all those kind of things. And so if you'd like to give something this week, we're going to have it open this week. Uh, There's a drop down online and just select Kingdom Builders Florida. Kingdom Builders Florida specifically. If you want to give something above and beyond your normal gift toward that, please, you can do that this week as well as if you want to write down on your envelope, uh, you know, under other, you can put uh, Florida as an other item. And if you want to give something to that, we're just going to write a check to them this week to be able to support some of the, the ministry going on down there. All right. Uh, but for everyone else, let's walk out these doors. Let's go. And we're not trying to be salt. We are salt and light this week. Let's go live it for his glory. Amen. Have a great week, guys. We love you.